protect Jasmine at all costs. Plus, Tina's got pranks. TJ has some really big puzzles. Ayana may be tripping on that power at the expense of her friend Sophia. Kahata and Jasmine, they're still perfect. Darrell gets pushed into some uncomfortable moves, and that is certainly not the fireball these folks thought they'd be having in this house. It's the Challenge All-Stars 2 Episode 3 recap coming up right now. Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the Challenge universe, we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here today on this very special edition of not only The Challenge Historian podcast, but The Challenge All-Stars 2, a Thanksgiving Day edition What more could we be grateful for than this wonderful, beautiful show that exists for us to consume? The Challenge All-Stars, we get episode three. They didn't skip a day just because it's a holiday. They gave us a little holiday treat, gave us episode three, and it certainly was a treat. We are here today to discuss all of that Before we dive into it, which we will go through the whole thing, I promise you that. You know me by now. I'm long-winded on this stuff. I'll talk about it for hours if you give me the chance, and hopefully we won't go for more than, you know, a couple hours. Maybe just one here today, but before we do a couple housekeeping notes, one, first and foremost, thanks for being here on this day if you are celebrating I hope you found yourself a big old plateful of food, a bunch of loved ones to spend the day with. I'm thankful to be able to say I did, and I am now recording this podcast after having a bunch of that feud and a few of my favorite drinks. So if there's a little more lively to this, or maybe if I'm more short-winded or long-winded, you can blame it on that. But I hope you are having a wonderful day, and I have to say I am thankful most of all of many, many things that I am blessed to say I'm thankful for. I'm mostly very, very thankful that any of you out there listening to this would even be listening to this right now. It means the world that you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And thank you to the challenge gods, aka, you know, the cast, the producers, that the actual people, the challenge gods out there for giving us this wonderful content to discuss. Discuss it, we shall. A uh, few notes before we begin. Uh, the Spies, Lies, and Allies recap is up uh, a little bit later than normal, same as this podcast you're now listening to. It's coming out a tiny bit later than normal. Apologies. It is a holiday after all. I am celebrating. So uh, back next week, we will be back to our regular scheduled time slots of late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning for those recaps to come out. But for the holiday weekend, as one that is thankful for the challenge and the content it gives and for those that partake in my content that I'm putting out into the world. I decided to put out a little extra content this week out over on YouTube, our first ever standalone YouTube video, The Challenge Generations, my pitch for not only how to fix the regular season of the show, make it look a little bit more like these all-star shows that we've come to know and love, but a full-on, the format, the teams, the location, every single facet of what could easily be the greatest season in challenge history. I call it the challenge generations you can learn all about it watch the whole video over on youtube search challenge historian or the greatest challenge season ever a pitch either one of those you're going to find it immediately you can watch and enjoy it over this long weekend go take a look have a watch 
let me know what you think, either in the comments over on YouTube, over on Instagram, at Challenge Historian, DM, wherever. Let me know if you agree that it would be one of the greatest seasons of all time, if it's a good idea, bad idea, if I'm way off my rocker or if I'm right spot on. But that is over on YouTube. Eventually, maybe one day, it may run as a podcast, but it's really meant to be consumed via video. You'll find it there. This is our third and final podcast of this week. Next week, we'll be back to our regular time slots. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, review, preview, Spies, Lies, and Allies, All-Star 2 recap. So with that, that is about all the house we have to keep. Let's get into this wonderful episode, episode three of All-Stars 2. We will start with our Cliff Notes recap. We will then go through all of the storylines. We'll hand out some awards, update the power rankings, and that will be that. So let's get started with that Cliff Notes recap. As quickly as we can, we will cover everything that happened in this episode, plot-wise, storyline-wise. We'll go through it fast. We'll be talking fast, but we got to reframe our brains on what we just watched. Maybe it's been a few days since you actually watched the episode. If, like me, you watched it out on a full tummy after that Thanksgiving meal, and then maybe you snoozed off there for a little bit, and you got around to actually thinking about it or talking about it or listening about it a little bit later. So here's everything that happened as fast as we can. Three, two, one. All-Stars 2, Episode 3. Here we go. Returning to the house in Ayana is, quote-unquote, floating, in the words of her former BFF, Sophia. Meanwhile, Nehemiah, he's feeling the power and loving having it. Tina has decided it's time for the first prank of the season and gives Ryan some shorts to wear that turn out to be dissolvable and do just that when he enters the pool. Hilarity ensues. Following that, a daily challenge is played, this time in two teams. They've got to retrieve and put together two different giant puzzles. It's super hot out. A bunch of people look ready to keel over, but in the end, the quote-unquote brawn team, led by Tina and Darrell, gets the victory, sends the losing team captains, excuse me, representatives, because I guess we don't say captains anymore, I don't know. Ryan and Ayana are going straight to the arena, but wait, Ayana has a life shield, so she's not going to the arena. Instead of letting her team vote on who will take her place, she just announces, no, 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 I'm going to pick myself, and goes for her supposed friend, Sophia, saying that it is a gift to send her into the elimination. Back at the house, Sophia super hurt over all this, deservedly so. Kahata and MJ, they're a little nervous, but they're put at ease by Darrell, their roommate, who says, don't worry, you're safe. Anyone in my room is safe by me. But that's before Darrell meets with Tina, who he has to decide on the four names to nominate with. Wanting to stir shit up, Tina will not allow Steve's name, the quote-unquote easy pick, to be made. Instead, after much literal random selection, they come down to MJ, Kahada, Jeanne, and Jody, a list that makes both Tina and Darrell a new target in the game, but only one of those players wanted that in any way, that being Tina. Darrell is now on the outs with some folks in his own bunk bed. At nominations, excuse me again, selections, Sophia says she wants to face the best, so give her Jody, which the group obliges, and Ryan says he'd rather go up against Kahada than MJ because MJ beat him that one time way back on Duo Tool, and the group obliges there as well. Jody is pissed. Her and Kendall chat, clearly an alliance forming there, and they now have a target, which is Tina. At the arena, the four folks face off in an individual matchups once again. This time, they are playing literally tic-tac-toe, but with balls that are literally on fire. The board is across the arena from the racquetball, so you have got to run back and forth. Speed is really the name of the game. The best two out of three rounds of tic-tac-toe wins. Both Kahada and Jody prove to have a bit of a speed advantage. However, it really ultimately comes down to a mental error, both by Ryan and Sophia, that allow no ties to be had in four total rounds. Jody and Kahada each get their victories 2-0. 
Ryan, Sophia, they're headed home. Jody Kahuta, they have lifesavers. And that is where the episode ends. Moving into our storylines of this episode, we have a few things to discuss. Another wonderful episode, All-Stars 2 is delivering in spades just as All-Stars 1 did, just as we expected this one, 2 and 3 for 3 on excellent episodes, even if this one didn't feature a prom and tundra and everything that made episode two borderline iconic. This was still a wonderful, wonderful episode of television. We liked a lot about it. We got a couple things we want to talk about. First one, we've got to start where the last episode ended and this one really started, and that is with Ayana. Ayana is on a complete and utter power trip. I have never seen someone on this show go from the moment that we ended last episode with where everyone is, you know, in the arenas left in tears of like, oh, what a powerful moment. Ayana not only puts on this incredible performance, but then goes over and helps Leah and is all about, you know, like, let's lift each other up. We're here for each other. Let's celebrate everyone. Let's cheer everyone on this, that, and the other. It's a beautiful moment. It's truly beautiful, inspiring, wonderful moment. And then (laughs) nearly immediately within five minutes of this episode, you're like, whoa, Ayana, let's let's calm it down a little, should we? Like, come, like, come on. You won, you won an arena. You dominated, and it was amazing. You had this wonderful moment, but like, let's let's just let's let's take a step back here a little bit because so it starts with the first her and Sophia who uh, were led to believe, um, and by all accounts are, you know, coming to the house when they get back into the house, they're like. Whether they knew each other a lot back then, they come in and like, hey, this is someone I can like kind of ride or die with. This is my girl, and we're kind of sticking together here. We're buddies, we're friends. And there's first the moment over the braiding of the hair, the triggering moment for Sophia, which at the in the in instant moment of it, I'm I'm kind of on both of their sides. There's no like wrong side of this. Uh, Ayana wants to braid Sophia's hair. Sophia's like, great. She starts to braid it and it triggers a a really bad memory for Sophia from a time in her past where she had her hair like that. And it just, it just brings up some really dark, bad stuff for her. And she, you know, she kind of loses it for a second. Totally justifiable, totally understandable as is Ayana in the moment being like, I don't know what the hell's going on here, but like, I was just trying to like braid your hair. Like, let me, let me get out of here. Let me, I don't know. It seems to be, I did something, whatever totally understandable from both sides. She, she doesn't know necessarily what's going on. Sophia, every right in the world to, you know, have with these types of feelings, these types of memories come back up to be completely overwhelmed by them. So every, no one's in the wrong in any way, uh, yet, uh, both sides totally make sense in the immediate moment. Um, but then what follows of Ayana just immediately being so quick to like, just kind of talk some shit and kind of, just drop the facade that her and Sophia are, you know, like homies or whatever, like it's just gone right away. Um, and that, that is the part where it's like, Hey, it's understandable maybe that you don't exactly know what in this moment caused this reaction. But if that's your friend, maybe you, maybe you, you exit for a moment. You're like, let's let this cool off. Something I did clearly caused this, but then like maybe come back and just ask like, Hey, can I, I'm sure whatever this was, was justified, which it it was, it turns out it very much was, but like, can you explain it to me? I just, I just don't know. We're friends. Can you just like talk me through what the heck just happened? Um, none of that ever occurs. So that she's kind of, she's losing that already, but then the daily challenge comes and we'll talk about the entire daily challenge in a minute, but, uh, she, you know, she steps up, 
which is the smart strategic move of like, hey, no one is willing to be a team captain. Like, I'll do it because I'm actually fully safe. While TJ hasn't said it, we obviously know going in when he's like, hey, we need two two teams, but two representatives. There'll be reward or repercussions for whoever's representatives are the losing team. We're very aware that on almost without a doubt, that means two people will be in power. Two people will go straight to the elimination. And she knows, hey, I've got a life shield. So if we lose, guess what? I still ain't going to the arena, so that's fine. I'll be the captain. I'll maybe get, if we win, I'll get to be in the driver's seat. If we lose, I'm safe regardless, so it doesn't matter. So smart strategic move. I would say anytime there's a team challenge like this and someone has to be elected a captain, whoever has the life shield should immediately be like, I will do it. I would like to, unless they don't want the power. Some people, as we'll see later on, maybe don't want the power of being in charge, throwing someone into elimination. But then as that captain, she just goes absolutely over the top with how much she is in charge in this daily challenge. Make no bones about it. There's a couple different moments. I mean, the whole time she's yelling out orders from the opening part where they all group up and she is just right away like, no, 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 no one else talk. I'm, I'm running this. Let me tell you a couple other people tried to like chime in. Well, yeah, that sounds right, but we should do that. No, 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 no. I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking. Just you're, you, there's one thing for taking the lead and giving out the strategy and, um, you know, she starts that whole speech off with like, we can't bicker, we can't, you know, we got to work together, we got to listen to each other, we got to put our feelings aside if someone says, I think that's wrong. All of that's good. The 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 intent, the actual words that are being said aren't that bad, but the the, the ferocity behind it and just the the vibe behind it, the attitude behind it is definitely making her team like, whoa. All right, uh, like you, you put yourself on the line, but you really didn't because you're safe. And also, some of us also have ideas and would like to give them in proper ways of input. But we would like to give our input. So that starts bad during the middle of the challenge. There's the moment where John A is like, "Hey, I'm pretty sure I've got a good idea what we should be doing. It's not what we're doing. I want to try to speak up, but I'm immediately just shouted over by Ayana. It goes from that, and then the the biggest grievance of all, the biggest the the kind of biggest of all of the power trips is they lose the challenge. They get to the end and TJ very clearly says, all right, so Ryan and Ayana, you're the losing representatives. Cause again, I'll, we'll mention it later. The whole, the lingo, clear lingo change that they're going for on all stars. I don't hundred percent get it. Um, I'll just do this tangent now. Uh, I, I get that there's some lingo in certain games that definitely need change. I'm currently watching survivor, uh, the newest season of survivor right now. And on it at the beginning of it, Jeff probes decides to make an announcement and ask the group, Hey, do you want, should I stop saying, come on in guys? And for many different reasons, they decide, yeah, you should just say, come on in. You should drop the whole guys thing and like, get it totally with it. Great. Um, if there's some sort of similar reasoning behind why we can't say captain versus now we're saying representative, or there's another one later in the episode and now, oh, selections instead of nominations. That's another one that's just, are you trying to just differentiate from the main show to all stars or whatever? But like, when did deliberation or nominations become one or the other? And when did it become selections instead of nominations or deliberation? When did and we are were we become not allowed to say captains and it's just representatives? It's very odd that the lingo and all whatever, but they really stressed it at all times. But as that representative of the team, he says, you know, you two are supposed to go into the arena. Ayana, you have a life shield, so you are safe. 
the entire team, and he enunciates, the entire team has to select someone to replace Ayana in the arena, to which she immediately, before anyone else can speak, replies, oh no, it's good, guys. I got this. I'll take the pressure off everyone else. I'll just pick by myself. And it's like, hey, yeah, some people might not want to throw a vote out there, but also some people might not want you to just be the one picking by yourself and to just, and you know, no one says anything in the moment they could have. Um, but so she just gets to pick and she tells I, uh, Sophia, Hey, I'm picking you and it's a gift. You're welcome. It's just, nah, nah, not feeling as we'll get to in quote of the week. Jasmine says it best of, I don't know that that's a fucking gift. You know, um, they get back to the house and uh, it's just kind of clear from some of the confessionals and some of that that the houses turn in very quick fashion from where we ended last episode to where we are by the middle of this one of, you know, we still love Ayana, but whew, is she is did this power kind of run to her head Did she she got to a great place in the game and maybe just felt like now she gets to be there forever, whatever. But um, interested to see where her game goes, if she can get those positive vibes back on her side or if it was just a you know quick rise to the top and is going to be just as quick as a downfall. Moving on, next storyline. Uh, this one, almost nothing really to be said about it other than just Kahada is perfect. Thank you so much, Kahada, for being back on this show and being in our lives. Um, he's freaking amazing. Uh, we'll talk about the layer later and a little more of his actual win or whatever, but just love all the Kahada content. Give us as much Kahada content as you can. Uh, next thing, Darrell just getting worked over by Tina. Um, the entire uh, nom- nomination process, selection process, whatever, I guess, whatever we're calling, I guess, is nomination. Is it called selections later? Because nominations is what Darrell and Tina did, and selection is what the rest of the house does. Maybe so. I don't know. But uh, Darrell and Tina. <laughs> Go to pick some names, and Darrell, knowing very you know well experienced man in this game, understands all the ins and outs of it, and knows immediately, hey, maybe I actually don't want to be the one in charge this early, making decisions this early, and so goes around and tells his you know the people in his room. He at least is smart enough, well experienced, and seasoned enough to tell them, hey, I'm looking out for y'all, but that doesn't mean that your names aren't going to end up in the thing because you know. I'm going to try my best, but it's me and one other person. I don't know what she wants and if there's two in there, but he does promise, hey, I know that I am going to make sure Steve is one of the guy names and that Kahada and MJ, you're good because everyone will vote for Steve and that'll be fine. And that Jody and John A, if your names are in there, it'll be with someone else and we will make sure that other person gets the votes. It's all fine. And then Tina comes in. She's got totally different plans. Tina just runs this episode, two out of three episodes now. She is just dominated. She's dominating the season as far as just storylines and impact and influence and everything else um, and just pure A-plus TV. Um, But she at first wants to go full on, hey, what if we just flip all the boards over and draw at random? How about that idea? Terrell's like, uh how about we think this through a little bit and not just randomly select? That'll make a few too many people mad. So then she's like, all right, well, I'm going to guess that you want to throw in Steve because that's the easy vote. So if I get to pick anyone that we're not allowed to vote for, it's Steve. His name's out. Done. And kind of forces Darrell into a snake draft of who do we not want to vote for and we'll get down to four names and then pick them, which they do. And then Darrell's like, how the hell did we end up at the end here where John A and 
Jody and MJ are all up there and Tex up there. Like all four people are people I tried to defend or whatever. And then Nehemiah comes in. It's like, I've got a life shield. So if these are your four picks, I got to save tech, which uh, Nehemiah, very, very smart move of one. Seems like him and tech do have a friendship, but he says last season, I called tech out and beat him in elimination. I did it because I thought I could beat him. I did, but I want to make sure he knows that that wasn't anything like with malice. I wasn't working against him. I just, you know, was in survival mode. So I picked him and this time around I've got his back. So I'm going to save him. And that means that Tina and Darrell are back to now. Who do we pick between Kahuta and Steve and no, not Steve Kahuta and yeah, Kahuta and Steve. Those are the only two guys names left. Cause they had uh, from the start said no one from the winning team gets picked. That's just fair. So it's Kahuta and Steve and Tina forces him to, Hey, we're drawing it at random. Go, you know, bury him in the sand. I'll pick one. That's the one going in. And of course, Kahada is chosen. Kahada and MJ, the two males up for the arena, the two people that Darrell said straightforward, I will not let you get sent in. Same with John A and Jody says, I will not let you get sent in. So Darrell just gets worked over by Tina. I think everyone, at least so far, we'll see if the repercussions land later. But in the beginning of this and in the, in the moment after they're revealed and the selection process and everything else, it seems like they all like understand this wasn't entirely Darrell's goal or opinion and that he might have got worked over by this one and most of the ill will is headed towards tina speaking of tina the we'll talk about it in best moment but why why she and those especially from back in her generation are just so amazing at the show on the tv side of it the producing a television show for entertainment before we worry about the sport aspect the one smart enough to say hey I'm going to that house. I'm going to be wanting to prank some people. Why don't I bring some materials? And we get the first of what I hope are many of Tina's pranks with the dissolvable shorts. She sells Ryan, uh, which uh, my guy, Ryan, they, you know, they're a fine looking pair of shorts, I guess, but they're pretty just like plain Navy, like pair of shorts that I guess Tina has convinced you like, hey, this is the best bathing suit in the world. They're yours. I brought it for you. It's a gift. Go ahead and put them on, jump in the pool. Uh, he seems to buy it a little bit too easy, but jumps in the pool. They literally start to dissolve, fall apart. And now he's in his underwear. Thankfully for him, or well, maybe he would have preferred the other way. Who knows? But either way, thankfully he chose to wear some briefs or some underwear or something under these shorts because they dissolve instantly. It's hilarious. Tina and Katie as her slight accomplice that also is from a little started more in that generation. And the moment Tina's like, Hey, we should start to play some pranks. And Katie's like, yeah, we should. You're right. Let's do this. That's amazing. Tina, an amazing episode all in general. Let's talk the daily challenge. Um, very much enjoyed it. One we knew was coming. It was heavily featured in the trailer for the season. If I had to give it a grade, maybe a B, B plus, uh, certainly not in the A category, but, uh, I would say B plus. I like, I liked a lot about this one. Love a, love a large puzzle, love the physical and the mixed with the puzzle, having to go get it. Love little extra strategy pieces, like pushing all the puzzle pieces across the lagoon to, so that everyone has to jump in and swim. Jody shout out on that, on the good strategy. Love all of that. So, uh, we'll, we'll be, we'll be even a little extra lenient. Uh, we're thankful for this show. It's a day of giving thanks. So we'll give it a full B plus, um, strategy to 
not only Jody pushing the puzzle pieces, but the other piece of strategy that really it it seemed to work and you know not in an instant but i definitely feel like it had a big effect and that is tina on the leadership side of her team making it known right away she both listens to the rules understands exactly what the rules are and says to her team once everyone has gone once you you and you you're good at puzzles you're not going to get any more pieces you're going to stand here and study you you and you you can carry shit back and forth over and over nehemiah Durrell, folks like you guys go ahead you go get puzzle piece after puzzle piece. The rest of us are going to stand here and study this puzzle until we have all the pieces. The other team did nothing of the sort. They seemed to rotate just fully through once they had a rotation. The first time through, they went a second time through, a third, whatever. Once they had all the pieces, they started to actually focus on how does it go together. And I think that little advantage definitely got Tina and Durrell's team over the top in that they were actually in advance studying, hey, what pieces fit together? Because with those puzzles, it's not... You know, there's some people, the the CTs of the world, maybe the Anises of the world that have done hundreds of these puzzles that are absolute champions at them that, yes, can stand back, look at a whole thing and can conceptually put it all together kind of in one vision in their mind. But for the rest of us regular folks out here on puzzles, the biggest thing is just really looking at each piece and finding, you know, what are the craziest pieces? There was one in this challenge that was, it went like four different ways. It was a big zigzag all the way up the middle. All right, we got that piece. What fits on the left and the right of it? Just simply what two pieces make sense together? What three pieces make sense together? Let's get little clusters, do those clusters fit, go from there. So they were getting a lot of advanced time to do that. Um, and the the final real thing or two two other things on the daily challenge. One, whatever a, a cenote is, the little lagoon, the little water hole that they had to go swim in. Uh, I've never, I don't, I've never heard the term before. Um, I've never, if that's what it is, a kind of a basically a giant well almost of water, a giant a, a mini lagoon or lake that's very deep in a in a hole in the ground. A cenote, whatever it is, I need to find me one and I need to lounge in one because that looked you know, the jumping in, swimming, and going and putting a puzzle together in the, the, you know, the heat of the day, that didn't look great, but lounging in that cenote looked fantastic. I got to find me one of those. Final thing, this is the best time to do a challenge like this. These huge puzzles, when they're done in pairs, it's a little, it's a little disorienting. It takes a little too long. Um, it's not quite as interesting as when they do it early like this, and it's two huge teams of people working on one puzzle. And having to listen to them, like, how are we going to all work together? Is anyone going to take the lead? Is, you know, is there going to be four different people all trying to do move the same piece to a different location at the same time? Who's going to get in fights? Who's going to get in arguments? Who's going to take blame? Who's going to take credit? It just makes it way, way more fun when it's this big of a team yelling, disorganized, the whole chaos of it. So good on the producers by putting something like this in as early as possible to maximize the effectiveness of it in the game. That's your daily challenge. Then the arena, the other sporting event, quickly we'll touch on B+. That would be my grade for the arena game. Very silly, but very fun. Um, It is a mental game in that they're literally playing tic-tac-toe, which is just kind of hilarious, but adds a small, the, the physical element of, yes, the mental mistakes eventually would come back to cost both people that lost, but uh, there's a mental side of this, but it's just as much, pretty much just about who's faster, more, you know, wins this. If you get to go first every on every move, you get to either, if you play it mentally correct um, with tic-tac-toe, if you, if you go first, you should worst case tie. You shouldn't lose. Um, and it pretty much plays out like that more or less. 
Um, gotta be said, the pyro guy, whoever on the production staff, the pyro guy or gal or person or whoever, whoever's in charge of all the pyro and the explosions. Um, it has been kind of a running joke and for the last I don't know, even since like Dirty 30, the last six, seven, eight seasons of the regular show that their budget for the pyro department has just gone up and up and up and more needless and useless examples of, well, what if at the end of this challenge, we just randomly told them you also have to pull this lever and way over yonder, there's going to be a big old explosion. Why? No reason other than just we've got a bunch of fireworks and we want to use them. Seems like that has infiltrated all stars as well, because I guess visually it's just way, way cooler and better. And also for those watching the arena, like the the other castmates standing up to be able to see and know whose ball is where, who's got what spot on the tic-tac-toe board, that makes sense. Uh, but, you know, just kind of fitting fire into wherever they can in eliminations on both versions of the show. Fact that there were four winners in four rounds, four winners, if you played tic-tac-toe, which... I haven't necessarily recently. I did a bunch as a kid. Um, if if you ever did and you remember anything about it, you almost always tie. That is, that's the name of the game is pretty much just a tie every time. Um, if you know some trickery, you can maybe trick someone into winning or you just get lucky. They make a mental error or they're like, we've tied 13 times in a row. This is dumb. Why are we playing tic-tac-toe? You win, I'm done. But the fact that it was four for four winners, the mental errors just all over the place in this um, I, I would assume the production planned on this being like round after round. Like I, I would imagine in their production meeting, this is one of them. They're like, so are we going to have to play like a montage of just tie after tie after tie? Like, is one of these going to go 32 rounds of tic-tac-toe until we have to make up a new rule? I bet they had a new rule on hand for if it was ties after tie after tie, what they would have done. But, uh, that's the tic-tac-toe. Sophia, Got the break she needed. Jody dropped the first ball. And it, at first, I was like, wait, does it not even count? I didn't see her put it back up into the thing at all. I was like, wait, if you drop a ball, are you totally, totally out? Did Sophia just get gifted the first round by Jody dropping and making this huge mistake? Not the case. Sophia then makes a mistake, just a complete mental blunder, allows Jody to get that one and win. Same with Ryan in uh both of his rounds really, but more so the second round, Kahuta just got him on the speed the first time, but the second time around just blanks and puts it in the wrong spot. Should be noted, it seemed like the rule must have been if you take your hand off, it's done. That's where it is because Kahuta also starts to put it in the blatantly wrong spot, huge mental air, but keeps his hand on it, holds it a half beat. It's like, wait, this is wrong, moves it over to the other one. Ryan takes his hand off, takes one step away, stops, turns and looks and is like, ah, you can just see it on his face. Like, ah, fuck, what did I just do? But like, he had let go of his. So it seemed like they knew and Kohada was so confident when his was like, you know, I can move it. I haven't taken my hand off. I can move it. Seems to have been the rule. Um, final thing on the layer, uh, the, the entrances I've got to say, um, I, I'm sorry, but it's a little corny. The whole like TJ announces them like they're it's the starting lineup for the Chicago Bulls or something. Um, the little I would feel as uncomfortable as these people look with the camera on me in the little dark tunnel that they've got. And then inevitably they all like run out and they're like, am I supposed to like do something, give a cheer, be all excited or do I just walk out or run out or whatever is a little corny. Um, but I'm sure eventually it'll lead to some fun moments. Final storyline to talk about then is the alliances. We do have some alliances forming in the house. 
And one of them, the one, the first one we saw form over the first two episodes, the Cancun Trio plus Ryan, the Cancun Four in a way, is now already down to two. They lost Derek, now they lost Ryan. So Jasmine and John A are down to just the two of them when they had the strongest four-person alliance in the game at the beginning. So that's down to two. We clearly see in this one, Jody immediately when she's upset goes to talk to Kendall. The two of them clearly are working together in some order. They're now going to be targeting Tina for sure. That is a powerful duo to look out for with Jody and Kendall, who we will get to our power rankings later. But last week and coming into the season, that was literally one and two on our female side of the power ranking. So definitely a duo to be rec- excuse me, to be reckoned with. And then also, as we predicted um, on the Review Preview Podcast, we said, be on a lookout for if they have to be in the two teams, how quickly those teams get put together and how different the teams are, how much it's kind of one team that's like all of the, you know, the quote unquote strong players that and how much they want specific people with them and how much is kind of an underdog mentality over on the other team. They do in this split teams very, very fast. Jody is the only kind of surprise left out. The one side you got like Brad, Derek, Nehemiah, Darrell, they're like, all right, we we got to get together. We got to be on a team. Whoever else is with us, that's great. Jody's the only one that kind of seemed odd that uh, Derek or Brad didn't immediately be like, well, no, bring her over here, though, and then we're good. Um, but it was a very clear divide. There was a couple comments made of like an MJ being like, oh, that team looks like they got all the studs over there. I kind of wish I was over there on that team. Like I thought I was a little bit more part of that alliance. Um, so interesting to look at going forward, not only when they're in pairs or when they're in teams and daily challenge of how those are split up since they get the choice for that and where that shows alliance is being made. Those are the main storylines. So with that, let's then talk a few more things about the episode, but do so via giving out some hardware. Let's move into the awards section of the podcast. Four awards to hand out. First, best fit, then best moment, best quote, and episode MVP. And I've got to admit, on the first one, the best fit, we said at the very beginning of the season, the reason we wanted to do this, not only had it been requested a couple times, and there are, especially in the main show, as well as now the All-Stars, there there is clothing worth being commented on, even for someone like myself, who is in 0% way a fashion expert or should be commenting on fashion in any single way. If you're watching this on YouTube, you see what I wear every week. I am clearly not a fashion expert, but I'm here to comment on it anyways, all the same. And first, have to mention... Not the opposite of the award for best fit, worst fit, but just because it's clothing related. I've got to mention it again. I said it during the preview podcast extravaganza for the season, but I've got to mention it again. I cannot get used to the Reebok clothing. I know I am so stupid for thinking this matters in any way. I know I, you know, if you have specific feelings about one brand or the other or thinking one brand is cooler or better or fits the show more than other, you might be thinking right now you are just a really dumb, silly person for having any opinion about this at all. But that's me. I'm a dumb, silly person because I can't stand that this is no longer an Under Armour show. I I just, I, I can't have it. And I it drives me even more crazy that as mentioned on that preview podcast is that the season they seemingly ditch Under Armour and now they're going with Reebok and the clothes are way worse for it. But the same season, they have this Skull logo 
that they use everywhere. It's in the arena. It's in the house. And now in this daily challenge, it's literally on every piece of the puzzle to tell the people which way the puzzle pieces go or whatever. But that logo is literally Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Project Rock logo, which is an Under Armour brand. They stole the logo, the sub-logo of Under Armour, their most profitable brand, their biggest name brand, the Project Rock brand. They're like, we're going to steal that logo, but we're also going to ditch you as our clothing sponsor. We're going to go with Reebok. I don't know. Maybe they just got handed a big old bag full of money. Maybe the All-Stars is just trying to be different. Same thing with the selections and the representatives. Maybe they're just going to be Reebok and the main show is Under Armour. And you know, they're double dipping from both of these big companies. But regardless, I can't get used to it. And since Best Fit, we're talking about clothing. This is the opposite of Best Fit, but it's clothing related. So I wanted to shout it out here. As for actual Best Fit of the episode, only two nominees will admit I, I'm still getting used to that this is it is an actual category, so when something doesn't completely, utterly stand out, I'm maybe not as well prepared to give out this award as I should be. I will do my best moving forward to remember as I'm watching to be a little more on the lookout, but we still got two nominees this week. One of them is <laughs> those dissolvable swim trunks that Ryan puts on at Tina's, uh, you know, at Tina's bidding. Again, um... Pretty regular looking shorts. I don't know, you know, if you got to assume something's wrong. Maybe Ryan did and just in the assumption was like, whatever, whatever she's doing this for, there's a reason and it's going to be fun or funny or whatever. Uh, Maybe he was in on it the whole time. Who knows? But if someone in the house is just like, hey, guess what? I brought you some swim trunks. Here they are. They're just Navy shorts. They're swim trunks, though. You should wear them in the pool. Like, what are you... (laughs) If there's some crazy design or something, maybe you're like, oh, yeah, all right, whatever. you like, yeah, I'll try them on, whatever. But, like, they're just plain navy shorts or whatever. So, um, But it's hilarious. It's a great moment. He handles it like a champion, um, and it's a wonderful moment that fits in the best fit category. But as expected, two out of three times now, we have to give the award to Tech specifically for the pocket square. Now, I think this is the same suit we've seen before in the confessional. Seems like we're still in round one of outfits for confessionals for all these people. He's got his pink suit on. It looks fly. It looks good. We already accredited that back on episode one, but the pocket square, I don't know if it's just me, if it's actually happening or not, but it seems every single confessional, that big old pocket square of his gets a little bigger, a little more pulled out, a little more fluffed out, and it just looks amazing and is such a statement piece. And again, I think it's just an illusion in my mind that by the end of the episode, I had noticed it so many times that I was like, did it just get bigger? Is it getting bigger again? Is it getting bigger again? Is it getting more badass and better again? I think it is. So tech, as expected, gets another best fit win, but runner-up, Ryan slash Tina, those dissolvable swim trunks were great. Speaking of best moment, it is going to be Ryan and the prank swimsuit. That was the most fun and in, entertaining moment of the episode in sh- uh, coming in second or third place, maybe tied for second. Two other nominees were Kahuta's entire the preparation for the arena, not only what he says immediately before playing the game, but right you know, right before when they're at the house, when he's kind of pacing back and forth, he's looking for Derek and Darrell and MJ to kind of give him a little pep talk, and the best any of them can come up with is Derek just going on and on, like, we need a nickname, Kahuta, the carpenter, killing, Kahuta, Kahuta, and Kahuta's just like, this is the best you guys got to like get your boy ready for the arena. Thanks. Thanks y'all. Like what's going on. That whole little moment was fantastic. So that's a nominee. Darrell and Tina, we discussed 
their entire process of picking people was hilarious. And while I felt horrible for Darrell, it was wonderful television. So that's nominated as well. But we got to give it to Ryan, Tina, and the prank swimsuit. As for best quote, five nominees in, oh, whoa, no, miss misspoke there. Four nominees. I can't even count to five anymore at this hour of the day. But we got four nominees, two of which go to Jasmine. The first two, the first one from Jasmine with a little bit of self-reflection and honesty in the middle of the Daily Challenge. Tina is yelling out orders all over the place. She is taking full control. She is in, you know, in the driver's seat of this challenge. And it's rubbing a few people the wrong way a little bit. And Jasmine comments on, hmm, this seems a little familiar. Oh, did was I like this? Ah, shit. And we got to hear it from her herself. So Jasmine, take it away with quote of the week nominee number one. Yes, this one. Tina, she's loud. She's in your face. Here you go. This one. Try this one. Right there. No, no, no. Did I used to be like her back in the day? No, no, off, off. Because, Jesus Christ, I should have smacked the shit out of myself. I would never want to be my friend if I was like that. Oh, God. Then we've got Jasmine a second time at the end of the Daily Challenge. Ayana, again, as we discussed before, takes the lead and says, no, 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 my team's not voting on anything. I'll just pick. I'll send someone in. Sophia, you're going in. It's a gift. You're welcome. And Jasmine, yet again, comes over the top with uh, a proper correction. And I abide by everything that she says here in this quote, because Ayana, it wasn't a gift. But let's let Jasmine explain. You're not giving that girl a fucking gift. A gift is a fucking croissant or a spa gift card. It's not a goddamn gift. Let's go. Let's get up. Then we've got Kahuta. As mentioned in the whole best moment, the whole montage, not just at the house, but then in the arena itself, immediately before going in, it's now just a staple of any elimination on any version of the challenge that right before they go in, you do the little in-person confessional right there to give your thoughts and opinions right before you go in. Kahuta explains that, yeah, he's played tic-tac-toe before. It may have been a while, though, so let's let you him remind you where and when he last played the game. I haven't played tic-tac-toe probably since the world championships in Moscow, 92. So it's been a while. And final nominee is Tech, Tech Money. At the end of the episode, uh, seemingly catching himself making, maybe accidentally, maybe not planning on it, makes one rhyme to start a confessional and then just goes all in on I'm just going to keep this going as long as I can come up with something better and better to say and rhymes on rhymes on rhymes and also references the Fast and the Furious which you know anything about me that is very near and dear to my heart so anytime you reference Fast and Furious you're going to get a nod for some award from me tech does here so let's hear his long rhyming end of the episode quote we've chopped four people already it's even going to get more faster and more furious and more fun and more sun, I can't wait for it. I'm here for it all. Let's bring it on, baby. Bring on the challenges. I'm ready to rock and roll, hip and hop, because the party don't stop. Let's go. Yes. Four amazing quotes, and but it seems like you know Jasmine was two of the four. We got to give one of them to her, so I'm going to go with the self-reflection on, did I used to be like her? I just, I loved everything about that entire moment. And Jasmine, don't worry, whether you were or you weren't, you've always been perfect and wonderful and amazing in an A-plus addition to this show. So glad to have Jasmine back. So she gets the win for best quote. Now let's final talk about final talk. That's how we speak words here on the Challenge Historian. Let's give our last award, episode MVP, 
Four people received votes. Only one could win, though. Receiving votes, Jody definitely, you know, performed really, really well in the elimination, kind of re- uh, reset her status in the house. It was very, made very clear via a bunch of confessionals that Jody is looked at by herself with the self-confidence of, Hey, I left this at game as a champion as the first ever, you know, individual female champion. And I'm coming back into it in great shape and ready to go and ready to kick some ass and win again. The rest of the house sees it. She knows it. She wins the elimination is in a real good spot now with the life shield and with an obvious kind of number two partner in Kendall and with an obvious partner on the male side in Derek, Jody just crushing it. Tina, again, arguably could be the actual winner of the MVP. She got a lot of votes. She didn't quite win, but the pranks, the just knowing how to be great television, the taking the lead, the stepping up, getting the win, everything she did with Darrell, uh, strong argument that she should maybe be the episode MVP. Third person receiving votes, but not quite getting the win is Jasmine. Again, the quotes are just I'm just so glad we have Jasmine back in this show. Let her, as I think I said, either last week or two weeks ago, she doesn't even have to compete if she doesn't want to in the future, but just let her come live in the challenge house in perpetuity forever. If we're going to regular seasons, all-star seasons for the next decade, if she wants to be on the show competing, great. But even if she gets eliminated, just let her live in the house and do confessionals and all of our lives will be better for it. But the winner of the episode MVP, I got to give it to my guy, Kahuta. Yes, Tina has maybe the strongest argument, but she already has won MVP, and Kahuta deserves one because I just love Kahuta so dang much. He's just such a sweet and wonderful human being. He's hilarious in everything he says, such a down-to-earth guy. Just loved everything he was bringing forward in the confessional booth. He gets the win in the end. He has some very funny quotes. Everything about it, Kahuta is our episode MVP. So, Kahuta MVP Best quote goes to Jasmine. Best moment goes to Ryan slash Tina. Best fit goes to Tech. Those are our awards. Let's go to the final segment of the pod talk, power rankings and predictions. Let's rank some players, shall we? So on the power rankings, we do, we're feeling more and more confident. I forget when, if it was on the preview. Yeah, it was on the, the preview extravaganza where we said, whether we thought or not, we wanted to say that there would be a male and female winner. I'm leaning even more and more towards they are going to have at least two winners, whether it's you know two individuals on a male and female side, whether it's a pair winning as a pair in the final some way or another. I don't think there's going to only be one single winner on this season. So I feel even better about doing a male and a female power rankings and really thinking about who's going to win on each side of this. So we did the, uh, let's see, last week we did the women first. We'll do the men first this week. A small shakeup in the rankings from last time to this time, and that is that Formerly number one, Darrell falls all the way to number four, not quite out of the top five rankings, but falls to four in his place. Number one spot on the male side, I'm saying is Brad, formerly number two, bumping up to number one. I just think he's, you know, physically going to be as good as anyone else in this game. And I think he's got great relationships. And so far, we have seen him do nothing but just kind of float in the background. And that's where you want to be at this stage of the game. No one's upset with him. No one's ruffling feathers. But everyone's still, you know, he was one of the first people to kind of be pulled towards, well, this team is, you know, these three or four guys want to be on the team. These three or four girls want these three or four guys with them and want to be on the team. And so, Brad, number one spot. Number two spot, Ty. Derek and Nehemiah moving up from five to two. 
I still feel like both of these are competitors that are going to really run and dominate this game. I just don't know which of the two with the little kind of rivalry brewing between them, whichever one wins out on that, I feel like is the one that deserves to be in the second spot right here. So for now, they are tied. Kahuta is in third on the power rankings. That's where he was before. That's where he is now. Darrell, formerly number one, now number four. Tyler, number five, formerly number four. So we got Brad. We got Derek Nehemiah tied for two. We got Kahuta, Darrell, Tyler. That is your five on the male side. On the women's side, Jody holds it down at number one. Kendall holds it down at number two. No change there. Still feel like they're the most dominant physical players in the game. And they also now both have each other as allies and have strong partners that they're working with. Jody with Derek and Kendall with Brad in the, or was Kendall with Darrell? Darrell or Brad? One of the two, I think she was with when they pair up. So I think they're in a really, really great position in the game and in the house. Janelle moves from third to fourth. Katie moves from third. Uh, no, Janelle moves from fourth to third. Katie moves from third to fourth. I just flip-flopped them, and I just felt like I got a lot of, with getting almost no Janelle in this episode, I got a lot of Janelle in the background or on the receiving end of communications or moments or just being a part. Clearly, just some examples of, if you're watching closely, she's just kind of there in all of the moments and all of the conversations. Even if she's not the one saying something or doing something, she has clearly befriended a large number of the people in the house and is very, you know, in tune with everyone in the house. I just I just really liked how much I was seeing her pop up without actually seeing her. It was a really good sign. So I bumped her from four to three. Katie, just three to four. I think she's got great social standing in the house. I think she's ready to compete at a high level better than she ever has before. So she stays in and then Tina stays in the fifth spot. She is definitely going to be targeted. She can handle being a target for sure. She's going to be the most entertaining part of the show, probably without a doubt, as long as she's here. So she remains in the top five. So we got Jody, Kendall, Janelle, Katie, Tina on the women's side, guys' side again, Brad, Derek, Nehemiah, Kahuta, Darrell, Tyler. Those are our power rankings. As for our predictions, we have two sets of predictions prior to the season. We already got wrong. We said the first to go home would be Steve and Sophia. We got that very, very wrong. Uh, Sophia's second to go home, so, you know, we're close there. And we officially have the first of our 10 finalists we predicted before the season. We went all the way out on the end of that branch and said that Brad Durrell, Tyler Cahutta, Ryan Jody, Kendall Jasmine, Janelle, and Melinda would be the 10 finalists. Ryan did go home, so we are officially have one wrong of the 10 we said. The other nine are still in play. We said Brad and Jody would win. Both of those are in play. But... As for the season-long predictions we've made in season, every single episode, we make one new one at the end. We will do so probably through maybe seven or eight episodes until it gets right up into that final, and there's not really a point to making more predictions. So, so far, we had said the first one we made, we are on or in the water for 50% of the daily challenges. We are now two for two in daily challenges involving water in some way. We already know from the next week on that'll be two for three very soon, but we're still, we're looking good there. Then last week we said the life shield would be used at least 50% of the time it was available, and we are now two for two. Both of them were used immediately in this episode, and it just feels even more like those are just going to be used almost without a doubt every single time. We'll see if it stays above 50% or not. Our new prediction, we've got to add one to the list, and this week we will add this one. We already said before that Darrell would be one of the finalists. 
But I'm going to go a little further. Darrell will not see an elimination this entire season. No chance, no doubt about it. Darrell is going right to that final. No eliminations for him. I don't see anyone wanting to vote him in. I don't see him losing in a way that leads to him being the directly going into the arena. I don't think he sees an elimination. So that is our new and most recent predictions. We will keep you updated on where those are for the season. Final note of the whole podcast is... If you are someone who doesn't watch the next week on, um, I commend you. I get it as someone who's super duper against spoilers. There is a part of me that sometimes doesn't even want to watch next week on. Um, but that is that is where I draw the line is I, I will watch that and that only as far as thinking or knowing what might happen on a next episode or the rest of the season. If you didn't watch it, uh, I guess quit uh, quit the podcast right here and now. There's only a few seconds left, but... We did, we did get to the knowledge that it's trivia time. Next week is trivia, and I could not be more excited. Oh, my gosh, trivia, trivia, trivia. Um, can't wait for that. Very, very excited. So something to kind of hold us over for a week and have us look forward to and be thankful that we are about to get Challenge Trivia very, very soon, All-Stars Edition, on top of a very, very tall building. I cannot wait. It's going to be absolutely amazing. So... With that, that is all for this episode of All Stars. That is all for this podcast. Thank you again so very much for being here today. As we said at the beginning, next week, back to the regular schedule. Tuesday, review, preview. Wednesday night, Spies, Lies, and Allies recap. Thursday morning, All Stars 2 recap. Another week of double-dipping challenge. Goodness, can't believe it. We still got three weeks left of having both shows at the same time. Absolutely love it. Thank you guys for being here. Follow us. Uh, on YouTube, if you want to go check out, again, Challenge Generations, our pitch for the greatest season in challenge history. It's up live on YouTube right now. Go over there and watch it. It may be a very, very long time until you ever get to listen to a version of it here on this podcast. So you got to go to YouTube, search Challenge Historian, search Greatest Challenge Season Ever, one of the two. You will find it. You will watch it. You will love it. And if you don't, let me know. Let me know what you think I got wrong. But check that out there. As always, wherever you're listening to this podcast, hit the follow, subscribe button. Make sure you don't miss any of the content coming your way. Follow us on Instagram at Challenge Historian. And with that, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate every single one of you. Can't tell you how much I love and appreciate that you are here listening to these pods. It means the world to me. And with that, I will talk to you again very soon next week, Tuesday, review, preview, get us geared up and ready for another big action-packed week of the challenge. Until then, peace. Peace.